0: And yes, welcome back everybody to the Train Effective Podcast. Today, guys, I have a very special guest. Somebody I've been chatting to for a little bit, Rob, Robbie Kieran. How are you, Rob?
1: I'm very well, my man. Thank you for uh, having me. Thank you for uh, taking the time out your day, mate, to get me on, and uh, yeah, I appreciate
0: it. Yes, sir. Listen, I'm I'm excited about this because. You've played at clubs that a lot of people know about. You've played in games that a lot of people have seen. You've played everywhere. But you have, I feel like you got good insights, not just on obviously like football world, professional world, all that stuff, but the mental side of football and the side that many people obviously don't see. And many people in general in life don't see. So I want to get right into it. I don't want to waste any time. How? Tell me about your career, where you, where you started playing, where you are now, and how'd you get there?
1: Yeah, no, listen, I I agree with what you said there. So let's take it back. Um, As a six-year-old, I'd signed for my local team, which was Watford Football Club, who I managed to sign for uh, through the academy, into the professional team and managed to get two appearances in the first team before moving on to Wigan Athletic, who at the time were a Premier League team. Um, From there, I uh, I had to go out on loan a little bit to go and get some experience. Uh, Obviously, playing and training with these Premier League footballers at that age was a big leap for me and I was nowhere near ready for that. Um, You know, physically, I was, you know, miles off it in terms of uh, being ready to go and and play the big boys, you know, but um, i managed to go and get some games on loan. And then I got recalled back once Wigan actually got relegated into the English Championship. uh, And that was where I got my first break, really. Um, I managed to secure my place in that team. And from there, you know, flourished a little bit. You know, I managed to find my feet. I found that this was my my level. Um, playing against some very good players. Obviously, that that league is tough, it's intense. Um, You know, you have Premier League players in there that have either been relegated or, you know, have taken a drop down through, I don't know, luck, a little bit of, you know, performance-wise, whatever it might be, but still very high calibre of player, you know. Um, From there, I managed to to go on a loan to Birmingham. Um, I had a very good manager there called Gary Rowett. Uh, He took me um, and she was actually going to sign for Birmingham um, until a big club. Uh, named Glasgow Rangers came in and uh, offered me uh, an opportunity to go and play there, which I couldn't turn down at the time. And uh, it was by far the highlight of my career. Um, it's a completely different world up there. Um, and you talked earlier about the mental aspects. And I think this is probably a good place to start with that, because when you go and sign for a team like Rangers, there's a lot of um, a lot of things to consider. Okay. Instead of just playing football and performing on a field, there's obviously a huge amount of pressure. Okay. The spotlight is on you. There's a different media up there and in terms of uh, outlet sources and, and media coverage. So you're constantly under scrutiny and in, in the eyes of, of the public. Um, you're expected to win games week in, week out. Um, and Rangers have had some incredible times, both in Europe and you know, obviously domestically. And their fans, they're accustomed to that. And when you walk into that atmosphere, into that building, into those shoes of those former players, you kind of trying to hold yourself to those high standards to try and, you know, replicate or, you know, get anywhere close to what they were. And, and obviously, you know, I'd never compare myself to anyone, obviously of that level or that caliber, but, you know, putting on that shirt, there comes a certain expectation. Um, and, you know, like we mentioned before, I just think the mental aspect of that is, you know, doing the training, doing the work behind the scenes is one thing actually performing and doing it on that stage week in week out takes a lot of mental strength and a lot of maturity. It takes a lot of setbacks because ultimately every mistake you make gets, you know, it gets highlighted times 10. Um, and that's difficult at times when, you know, you have such scrutiny, you know, social media, you know, everything these days is a lot different, I think, to what it was maybe 10, 15 years ago just with the internet, you know. So um, the mental side of that was the biggest challenge for me. Um, And, you know, I had experiences where, you know, I didn't play well. I was at fault for certain goals or I was at fault for, you know, a bad performance. And and that was a tough, tough place to to pick yourself up again and go again because, you know, everyone wants to see you fail. You know, it's easy for everyone to fail. You know, you can point the finger, you can, you know, say, well, that's that person's fault. Um, But how does that person then get up again and then dust themselves off and then go and present themselves in a, in a better manner, you know?
0: Yeah. I think the big one that you, that you kind of touched on was pressure. Like I, I feel when you, when you sign for Rangers and I think Rangers is like huge club. Yeah. Everyone knows Rangers, who Rangers are, but when, when you sign, there's obviously that excitement. You said one of the biggest moments and achievements of your career, but, when you signed did you also immediately think like oh wherever I've been so far in terms of my level of playing I need to I need to level up how did did you feel like excitement and pressure at the same time or how was that
1: yeah definitely I agree with what you're saying there um, obviously coming from the English championship um, that's probably deemed to be a very high level okay so yeah. the players the teams involved in that league are you know they're their they're big boy big boy profiles if you like Um the, the thing that I found was that every time we played a different team in Scotland, in Rangers, was their cup final. All right? So, mm. we had to go out and win that game. We had to go out and perform. There was no sort of days or games where, you know, some teams might travel away and, and look for a point and that might be a good result for them. For us, that was just non-existent. We had to go out every single game, home or away, and go and win. Now, as a professional that's tuned into you from an early age because ultimately the fun goes once you get into those academies because the pressure is is there. Do you know what I mean? It's not so much yep. kicking the ball down with your friends anymore. It's actually, well, I'm in the academy system and I'm trying to get a professional contract, even at the age of nine, ten, eleven. It got you yep. kind of built into that system. So I think I think we're all kind of prepared for it. It's just obviously football's a roller coaster. You know, you win some, you lose some, you draw some, whatever it might be, and it's how you mentally deal with that aspect and also you know that crest that you're wearing on your on your on your left chest you know that's uh that comes with its own pressure so my 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 foundations were already there obviously we we're Watford, Birmingham, Wigan, Brentford great teams unbelievable teams but I felt like up there it was just a different different kettle of fish
0: yeah what's the uh did you ever play against um there's maybe one part I might have missed in my <laughs> research did you ever play against Celtic?
1: Yeah, I played four old foot or four old firm games. So I played oh, four times. Oh all
0: right. Well, hey, listen, we have to get into that. How because you you say different kettle of fish, but that even that's, that's like that, even that, you more. can't explain that oh, to someone
1: unless unless you physically go there yeah. and feel the energy in that stadium and hear the noise. Like you can't you can't hear a teammate 15, 10 yards away. Like you can't yeah. you can't give information. So the game itself is actually a lot harder purely because of the noise. Yeah. Um, the media build up the week prior is huge. You know, even little things like from the, from the hotel, you're getting police escorted through the city yeah. to the game. Like the fans get like caged off. Like there's, there's cages that will separate obviously away and, yeah. and home fans. There's obviously a religion background. Uh, you know, there's, mm. there's a war that's, in you know, involved with that. So like, and even myself, like I come from an Irish background. My dad is my dad's Irish and my mom's English. So, you know, I have that blood in me where, you know, I, I sometimes look you know, it kind of felt like an uphill battle already just from the background, but I didn't really understand or know too much about that until I kind of got there. And then I really sort of saw what it meant and understood the history behind it. And so like, listen, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that a lot of people don't recognize or see. Um, that you know, it's a lot to deal with, it's a lot to deal with. Yeah, do you,
0: did you, and maybe it's time to kind of I don't know. Uh, so before that, because did you ever feel nerves like, do you feel nerves? Yeah, do you absolutely, feel nervous. Absolutely. Like, how is that? Because you also have to, it to me, like, so I'm big obviously on mentality and all that. So from afar, I always watch what my, my favorite team is Arsenal. I always watch Arsenal Tottenham, and I'm like, oh, like the pressure is huge, but. These players, like they're they're trained, like physically and mentally to deal with these situate like situations and matches. Like, but surely there's that human aspect where it's like there's 50,000 people in here. There everyone in the land is watching it, you know, UK probably, it's on Sky or BT or whatever. How do you overcome those nerves and nervousness? No, like, and you oh, I that.
1: Also, yeah, there, there, is, there is obviously methods that you can train yourself to do that. You know, your breath work, you know, all that kind of visualization stuff. But like I said to you earlier, like you kind of just got to jump in the deep end. And a lot of the boys, it's either sink or swim. Um, and the first old firm game that we played was at Hampden Park. I think there was, I think it's 50, 55, might be touching 60. I'm not sure what the full capacity is, but it's a big one. Um and we hadn't beaten them, I think, in like four years, four or five years, because that was when, you know, obviously, the rebuild happened after the, yeah. the administration all that kind of stuff. So that was a big game. Everyone wanted to kind of see, you know, where we were in comparison to Celtic. And we actually managed to win that game on penalties. So that was a big, big moment for me personally and obviously my teammates and, and, and the gaffer, Mark Warburton, because that hadn't been done in such a long time that it was kind of like, OK, we're back. OK, we're kind of maybe where we're at, you know... We 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 steamrolled the, the championship. To be fair, um, and then obviously beat and so it was a nice one because you know it was kind of just like an indication of how far we'd come and obviously where we're at. The unfortunate thing then is that they recruited Brendan Rodgers the season after, um, and I think they signed about six or seven big big players that were very good players, and and I think they went on to be unbeaten that season after. So it, in a, in a way, it was a it was an amazing achievement, but it also uh, it kind of maybe alerted them to uh to maybe go and recruit well which they obviously did um but you know yeah listen so the mental element is is a massive one and and the pressure is there you know no matter what anyone says no matter how good you are no matter how many times you played in that game like we i think we had something like over i think it was like over 20 million viewers at the time you know Mm. and uh, worldwide so like we're talking about a lot of people watching that game um and obviously, yeah, you're right. There's <laughs> there's millions watching it on the TV, so uh, you know, it all eyes are on you at that point, and it is it is a it is a pressured environment. I'll, I'll be honest.
0: Yeah, and another one where, where, whereas that's pressure, this one that I'm about to speak on can be viewed in a couple of different ways. Um, from my from my perspective, I always give players like the benefit because it's like very few people on earth can perform at that level for a long time consistently under that pressure every day and make the sacrifices that you all make. Because Rob, like from afar, a lot of, if you t- see fans talk, like talking about like, it's getting paid this much. he should be able to have a good first touch when you might have 1000 amazing, I don't know, back passes to your keeper, but the one you mess up on, they all come crashing down. They're like, Oh, he can't pass. He gets paid. He can't pass. But so another thing people talk about and make assumptions on is loan moves. When they see a player go on loan multiple times, they just think what's wrong with them. What's wrong with them? What's wrong with them? But in reality, it could be a development thing. It could be uh, like uh, fit. It might not be a good fit. It's timing. It's maybe new manager coming in. It's all these aspects that people overlook and when you go on loan multiple times, um, you're always having to adapt to different environments. It's different clubs. Um,
1: how was that? How did you cope with that's a, changing? Yeah, that's, a, that's a great question. That's a great insight as well. Um, yeah. So let me run it back. So I am 17 years old. I've signed a professional contract at Watford. I'm never going to play in the first team. So knock on the door. Hey, Mr. Guffer, uh, I'd like to go and play some games. Cool. Uh, let me, let me go do some calls. Yep. Yeah, you're going off to Yoval for a month cool, no yep. problem, I'm going to go, pack my bags, off I go, because I'm so desperate just to play some games, I'm like, I don't care where I need to go right now, yep. give me a shirt, give me some games, I used to, I think I went alone like when I was younger, you know, several times, just to go and get three, four, ten games, whatever it might be, because I was like, if I can go and get those amount of games, my gaffer here might have a little bit more trust in me to think, okay, yeah, maybe he can be the backup mm-hmm. centre-back. Or is he going to say, no, nah, Rob, you played no games. You don't know what it's like in a, in a stadium. You're no good to me. So unfortunately, as a centre-back and probably a goalkeeper, you're never going to get subbed on. So even if you manage to get on the bench as a young player, you're not coming on. So you have to go and find a way to go and get games. And if you think about it as well, most of your experienced players are often your centre-backs, your goalkeepers, and maybe you know a midfielder in there. So the spine of the team is normally the older age players who bring that calmness and bring that authority and that sort of, uh, captain role, if you like. Now, I look back onto all the teams I was at as a young star, I had captains of international players. I had, uh, seasoned vets. I had boys that have played over 300, 400 games. There was no chance I was ever going to go and do it. So it's a daunting, you know, it's a daunting thought having to pack your bags and, and just go and move somewhere. But I left home at 16. I never returned. Um, you know, I was living on my own, learning how to cook, how to clean, how to pay bills, you know, you know, all the stuff that comes under that umbrella. Yeah. Again, it was kind of like sink or swim. Like, you got to get on with it. You know, like we don't have the, a manual in front of us to show, right, this is what you do. It's kind of like, off you go, mate. And that, this is something now that I'm very interested in with. You know, I speak very closely with some of the academies back home and, and how they do it. And Manchester United are probably the best at it. You know, the programs that they have in place for their players, you know, they're teaching them life skills, not just how to be footballers. So I think now it's really, really evident that, you know, these academies have to produce human beings as well as, you know, professional Mm. footballers, you know. Because
0: I, that's that's a fantastic point because one thing I, one thing I see and I think everybody sees a lot is when you get released at, because at your age, uh, let's say 16, 17, at that age, kids, boys, like people who haven't, lived adult lives yet. Their their whole life has been football and I guess school or whatever, and they get released. And then it's like, what's next? It's awful. You know it's awful. M- many go into non-league um and work their way up, which is fantastic and great. But what would you say to those players that do get to that age, 16, 17, 18? And even here in America, how it is is obviously you're aware, um at 18 you go to college, you play in uni. Um, what would you say to those players in that 16, 17, 18-year range where nothing's happening? You get released. I mean, if you get released and no opportunities, that's when I feel like a lot of players can really harm themselves mentally and, God forbid, physically as well, because it's like you're being told something you work hard at every day. It's your whole life. You're being told you're not good enough here, here at this place. What would you
1: tell those players? Do you know what, man? I- I have such a big, big opinion on this. Um, so Crystal Palace have just created a program that after five years, um, so sorry, if, if a player gets released or doesn't make it as a professional, they will you know, help that player for the next five years. Okay, yeah. I think the PFA have done stuff where they're you know, looking at school programs, education programs. You, you sacrifice your whole life towards a goal and you get turned down at the age of 16 and your whole life, everything that you've known as now Vanished because you didn't have those backup plans. You didn't have those other, you know, goals. You were so solely focused on and 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 visioning that you know that end, you know, big stadium and that name on the shirt. That first of all, the emotion that must come with that is 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 destroying at times because you know I've had friends that have gone through that, you know, and and look, you know, that that I think again that presents. Your character, I think that shows you who you really are. Can you dig deep and you roll your sleeves up? Can you then go and grind and hustle it out at the lower leagues to go and put yourself back up in that shop window? A lot of the players have done that, and that's I think that's incredible. Like to to, to endure that pain and then actually turn it around as a positive is insane. Like that's, that that for me is just the best the best you know version of what you can do with yourself. On the flip side of that, you're right. There's there's guys that have unfortunately we've seen it in, in the news that have. You know, the mental health aspect is is a real, real one. And this is why I think you know, a lot of the clubs have to invest into their players. That Okay, so you're not good enough for the first team, no problem. But you are a human being still. You can offer stuff. You have qualities that football has taught you that you can be uh, used in the real world. And, you know, I'm very passionate on the fact that, that these clubs are doing it, which is great. But I still think, needs, you know, we need to do more. Um, and obviously, the coaching side of it—that's an, another way, that's another avenue. Because obviously, you have such wealth of experience, and you have such a background in something. That why would you not then use that it's to your advantage, and and also actually, you know, maximize your your knowledge to the younger generation to help emulate them, go past where maybe you got to, you know. And that's something that obviously I'm touching on now, going into this this sort of latter stage of my career. Is like, okay, I've had a great time. I've had a great experience. This journey's been great. Um, but you know, the world moves on. You know, the world keeps spinning. So yeah. now, how do I navigate? You know, to my sort of, you know, looking to the to the future. How do I then, you know, use my experiences to my advantage? You know,
0: with that coaching, because I know you're you're playing in the US right now, but you're also doing coaching as well. What do you like when you? What age range do you coach right now? First I actually, all?
1: coach. We actually have a. We actually have ages from six up to professionals. So it's not got an age limit on it. Um, However, I'm more interested in developing the real, real talent that has that, um, you know, dedication, you know, the, the mindset, I think for me is something that I noticed straight away. You know, there's a lot of talent here in America um, yeah. and a lot of the teams are shopping in this market because they know it's cheap. Yeah. Um, and I think obviously the weather here permits kids being out from, you know, whatever hours <laughs> it might be, yeah, because it's such a beautiful place to live, don't get me wrong, and, and you know it's not gray it's not cold kids aren't playing the playstations because it's the sun shining and there's you yep. know there's surfing there's biking there's hiking there's skiing you name it you can do it here and obviously all the, the american sports you know as well that fall under that but i think here like the talented kids i'm really interested in um and i think we'll see a lot more you know start filtering into europe very soon in the next sort of you know three four five years
0: yep I I want to I want to ask this because this is a very I think it's a bit of a gray area for a lot of people. And there's something I struggle to answer as well. So maybe you have insight on it because you've obviously experienced that growing up, especially from a young age. If you do want to become a professional, not just footballer, Rob, like anything, um, you do have to put a lot of focus emphasis and all not i'm not going to say all your eggs but you have to put a lot into that thing yeah so because i mean becoming trying to become a professional footballer but also trying to become become a i don't know a lawyer at the same time one of those might suffer yep. yeah so do you your coach because like, you're coaching do you suggest players just stay headstrong tunnel vision on the football or do you recommend them to have like
1: other things in place as absolutely. well. Absolutely, so absolutely. Yeah. So
0: expand on that a little bit. You have to
1: be obsessed with your main focus in life. Don't get me wrong. There also is the the reality of overloading. There's the, the there's the, the suffocating in what you're doing. You have to be balanced in that aspect. So you know, and, and again, it's the whole cliche thing, but it's it is genuinely you know how I feel. It's you have to work smarter and not harder, because we can mm. all go out and work from the sunshine to the sunset. Right. Sorry. Rise to the sunset, no problem. We can all do that. But how are you dissecting your game? How are you actually breaking your game down? Where are you? Where are your weaknesses, and how are you then repeating them till they become a habit? That, for me, is the magic ingredient. Because, you know, let's talk about the greats, yeah? Ronaldo, there's Messi. Who everyone talk about? Yes, the compound effect of the hours they spent playing on the streets and the, and 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 the and the, the hustle that they've obviously gone through is is evident. No problem. But once you kind of get to the level where okay yeah i'm established okay i'm i'm definitely good at this now but now i'm now talking about the details like the details come from dissecting the game okay so let's say i know my left foot pass driving it into the front man as a back as a as a left back isn't great well we need to go and get 100 balls and we need to go and repeat that until it becomes natural do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. as opposed to oh i'm working hard i'm going to the gym I'm running around, okay, great, but is that specifically working on you? Because this is what happens now. As you go to the next level, everyone's got technical ability, everyone's physically conditioned, everyone's mindsets will separate them because they'll now understand, okay, the game knowledge and obviously the maturity that comes with that uh, and the experience. That's something that you can't really cheat, it kind of comes with age. But dissection of game and working on that, I think is what's gonna separate you because. The generic training that a lot of the players go through, they go through their warm-up, their keep ball, you know, their passing drills, maybe crossing finishing, great. But you're not dissecting your game into your weaknesses. And no one will know your weaknesses as well as you do. For me, it was 1v1 defending. I wasn't a defender growing up. I was a centre midfielder. I moved back to the back four when I was 17 years old, 16 years old. I couldn't naturally do those things as well as the other boys could. But I could do on-the-ball stuff much better. so for me i had to go and break that 1v1 defending down the heading, all the ugly bits that i used to call it and for me that was working smarter not harder do you know what
0: i mean yeah yeah man I, i i was smiling while you were saying that because i'm i'm always preaching that exact thing um because that's how i learned how to play essentially i started playing rob around probably age 14 15 and i had to learn quick and my way of learning quick wasn't going to team training because by that time in the U.S., um, they're not really teaching you small technical skills. You're just going to training, at least where I was, six v six, four v four, five v three, stuff like that at training. So I had to, I had to really dissect. Okay, for my position, I don't know, number eight central midfielder. What am I doing the most? I need to work on my body positioning. I need to watch matches and work on positioning. I always try to emphasize these things. And I don't know if you're familiar with our camps, but this is one thing I really like about our camps is our coaches there at the train effective camps, they, they'll they stop the game, but they won't stop the game for your normal stuff. Like, why did you pass here? Why did you – they'll stop it for legit reasons, such as, like, you crowded his space. Or if you get it on the half turn, if you open your body up, you'll be able to turn quicker, stuff like Amazing.
1: that. So Amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I'm so happy you said um how you have to dissect and be specific because like you said, at a certain level everyone's like this, right, Having right? Their uh control, all that stuff is gonna be like that. And that's where those details come in. Um like exactly what you just said, playing the ball forward into your uh midfield or your strike as a left back. I love that. It's so deliberate as well. And that's I think I think I was watching um what's his name? Brian, I think Tafazol, you've probably seen him on YouTube before, but he said the oh, same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You have to practice these match situations. Match situations. Absolutely, absolutely. Like that. Because you can dribble through cones as many times as you want, which is good. Like, yes, develop your technical ability, but make it match-like after that. You absolutely. know, once you, once you get absolutely. to a certain level, make make it match-like. Um I want to kind of pivot into what you're doing now because you're working with players. What are some things you emphasize to the players that you see, Rob, you see these players. You're like, okay, he's got it. He's got it. He, he could definitely go far in the game. What are some things that you kind of emphasize to them?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, yeah. So just to rewind that, um, I, I, so my current situation right now is that unfortunately I've got a, an injury that was sustained last season, mm. um, and carried on to this season. Um, yep. I, i I played for a bit of pain um, to go and win the USL Championship, which is what we kind of achieved, which is great. Um, But unfortunately, now I'm in a position where I'm actually going to have to get an operation on the hip just to help clean out some of the the tissue and all that stuff. So my role right now is obviously trying to get fit, trying to play and, and, you know, make sure that my body's healthy before I, you know, do that again. But it obviously gives me an opportunity whilst being injured to, you know, allow myself to, you know, get involved with the coaching element and understand, you know, the game in a different pair of eyes because you can see it from a different, you know, different perspective when you look at the coach's pairs of eyes on. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me now is is obviously looking at these players who, like you said, we have that technical foundation, which is good. Um, but now, do you actually understand what your role in the team is? Like, do you know your pitch geography? Do you know, can you smell and can you sense danger? Can you pick and choose the right times to support play? Or do you pick and choose the right times to, to give your fullback cover if he's bombing on? For example, all these kind of things. Um, and I've really enjoyed trying to dissect these games. And actually, I think video analysis is a huge one. I think I can go and tell a player a million times, hey, listen, when the ball comes in, check your right shoulder and see if you can scan before and you can play a one-touch pass around the corner. If I actually break that clip down, freeze frame it, and then allow the player to look at that, their their brain starts ticking and they're doing the work for themselves and actually then that sort of sits on them it allows them they absorb it better and then actually the next time that 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 situation arises you know they've already thought back to that you know that clip or whatever it is and boom you know it does its job so yeah for me like I'm, I'm really interested in that side of things I want to develop young players into the professional world I think that's I find my passion in that I think I'm very I think I'm actually very good at it, just purely because I'm not trying to sit here and say I'm I'm some magical coach, but I've done the journey. Yeah. And I've seen the mistakes that I've made, and I've seen where I could have actually developed quicker if I'd had someone maybe like myself put an arm around me and actually, you know, dissect my game, like I keep saying, but actually, you know, giving me that mentor sort of side where, hey, listen, you're doing great, but these are the things that I see. Let's go and work on them, you know? And I think we're going to develop quicker if we do that.
0: What was what was your lowest point during your career? Because I think we see a lot. Of, I mean, we we see a lot on TV uh, everywhere. We see glory. We see glory all the time. We see, especially professional footballers. They're not going to go on there. I'm not talking about you in specific, but in general, you don't usually go on an Instagram post and you see the struggles that people go through. Absolutely. Just not well. It's just people in general. Um, I always like to say like social media is many times just a highlight reel of people's lives. It's just an an illusion, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so with you, like, what were some of your, yeah, I'll be honest with you. So I went
1: through a two year injury phase. Um, I, I didn't know what my identity was. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where my future was going. I had two operations on a right knee, one operation on the left, multiple injections, was obviously at that point thinking about retiring. I couldn't get fit. Stumbled across these, you know, injections that I mad, managed to just uh, rejuvenate my tendon tissue, which yep. allowed me then to run and you know obviously then go back to it. Um, but those two years were the darkest two years of my life. I had mm-hmm. no purpose. I didn't know who I was. I got out of bed. I had no purpose. I don't know what I brought to the world because I all I've known is to go and play football. Now I, that gets taken away from me through no fault of my own, just through, you know, overuse, mother nature, whatever you want to call it. And yep. I now don't know what I bring to the table. I have yep. mortgages I have to pay for. I have the same financial, you know, responsibilities. And I'm now in a position where my legs don't work and I can't now go and earn a new contract. So you, someone please tell me what's going on right now because I don't understand it. So for yep. me, that it were confusing, they were daunting, they were depressing. And, and unfortunately, and this is the real world right now, we're all pieces of meat on a conveyor belt. We all have a, an end date. Mm. Now, if your end date comes closer because of an injury, no longer are you Rob Keenan, the, the centre back, you are Rob Keenan's injured, let's get him out. He's draining us, or, uh, he's draining our finances because we can't play him. And he's no good to us. His his knees don't work. So Mm -hmm. over over the you know the course of a few weeks or whatever it might be, when you find out hey the rehab's not going too well, now the mindset shifts. It's like wow this is survival mode right now, you know. And again you talk about mentality. That's probably the toughest place. Those boys that are going through long injuries in the physio room, working on themselves, working on their own, working with a physio. Maybe you know it's a tough tough place. And I don't think. Uh, enough gets done for those players you know i, I actually remember asking a, a coach hey listen i've just got back to fitness um and i want to i've missed pre-season i've missed two years there's a fitness guy in dubai that i know i trust a lot of the players have gone to work with him it's warm weather training um i was going to be training oxygen tanks you know i was going to be doing the whole thing altitude mask you name it i was doing it and he turned around to me and said hey, you just want a holiday mm-hmm. and i just remember looking at him thinking i've just sat on a physio bed for two years not one of you has even really given you know uh, an f yep. about me, if you like. And I'm actually trying to fund this myself through my own finances. I, I don't want anything from you. I just want you to allow me to go and train in the heat, so I can come back and play in this team. And I got laughter. Mm. You know, so as a human being, like the way you treat people, I think is the biggest thing. The man management for me is the biggest, is the biggest thing you can do. As if you want to be mm. good at something, micromanage people and treat them as humans. Mm. That's what I've learned.
0: What's your so? What's your? Uh, I love that, and it's gonna segue into this, because you've you've seen a lot, yeah. You've uh, you, some players. I mean, I, th- I think most players go through their career. They have injuries. You get nicks and this and that. There, uh, it happens. Um, but two year layoff and in probably in like your career. This isn't like towards like right at the end or whatever. Like this is probably how old were you when that two year layoff happened? Twenty seven. Oh, Twenty seven. That's many people yeah so you've experienced all this nowadays now where you are now what gets you up in the morning like obviously you're still playing i don't want to it could be like like, you're still playing i understand that Yeah, yeah, yeah of course looking looking ahead like what gets you up in the morning what gets rob up in the morning No, i love that i
1: love that i mean listen yeah you're right again i am transitioning eventually into the new Rob Kiernan because the Rob Kiernan that played football since he was six years old, you know, it's a, it's a different Rob Keenan right now. Um, and it's been an amazing journey and I'm so happy and so lucky and, and so privileged to finish, you know, hopefully my career at Orange County and, you know, enjoy it for many, you know, a few more years to come. But yep. obviously I do have one eye on, you know, what's next. Um, and what gets me up in the morning is knowing that I can impact people. I can impact Ooh. young aspiring players. I can nurture their talent. I can work on them physically and mentally, and I can actually allow them and give them the best opportunity to go and perform on a stage. Now, something that I always talk to my players about is like, hey, you know, we can do all the work we, we want to do. We can spend hours and hours and hours working it, but I can't do it for you. I'm giving you the foundation. I'm giving you the environment, and I'm giving you the motivation, hopefully, for you to go and flourish and to go and blossom But you also have to find yourself on that journey a little bit yourself. Like, you're the one that's going to have to roll your sleeves up. You're going to have to go into uncomfortable positions. You're going to get in the trenches a little bit. You're going to have to find out who you really are. You might have to go and pack your bags and move to the other side of the world. Do you really want it enough? Do you know? So, for me, what gets me up is knowing that, hey, I can have a positive impact on these players because I've been there, I've done it, I've done the journey. I've been high, I've been low. I've seen it all. You know, there's nothing here that I have not seen. And now I think if I can positively impact someone's career and life, Wow or not.
0: We'll kind of end with this, and this is one of my favorite questions ever. And um, yeah, I wonder if some I wonder like if somebody asks me that. I ask it myself sometimes, but who do you want to be remembered as or what do you want to be remembered for when it's all said and done, you're 120 years old. Hopefully we get to get up there.
1: You know, I know you know about, know you know about your diets and all that stuff. Just, you know what, as a clean hearted human that often, you know, everything and more was authentic, was organic. And I just want to be remembered as someone that, hey, listen, you know, I, I I managed to put a tiny, tiny footstep on on the map of playing football. I enjoyed the journey. I enjoyed the part of being, you know, uh, you know, a little 1% of the 1% that managed to do it at the top level. You know, that's a great little feeling to have. You know, I think we saw the stat. I think you guys maybe have touched on it. You know, the 1% of the 1%, you know, it's it's a, it's a tough, 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 tough industry. And to say that I've done that is a, is a proud moment. But also it doesn't, you know, define me as a human being. I want to be a good human that's, you know, here to to help inspire. And I actually want to have an impact. I really want to help people, you know, go past what I did and, and you know, reach the very top and and, and you know, see them flourish.
0: I'm in Orange County, I'm a young player, or I'm a parent, and I have kids who are young players, and I want to get them in touch with Rob. How do I go about that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So you see the little Instagram tag there? I think that'd be the yep. best way to do it. Um, and yeah, that'd be a great way to start. And um, yeah, listen, we have a lot of talented players in this little pocket of the world. So um, we're definitely going to see a few uh, very soon, actually go and put their on a the map. So uh, it's exciting times.
0: Sounds good. Fantastic. Rob, thank you so much, my guy, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: And um, yeah, all
0: the best to you. And you are, I, 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 want, I really want to say this, like I think your impact on other players will probably far, even even what you've done in your professional career, I'm hoping it even far exceeds that because I think you have the potential to change so many, even more lives. You've probably changed many lives already, but I think you're just going to keep exponentially doing that, my guys. So
1: keep it up, man. ah uh, very nice. I appreciate your words, mate. And um, yeah, listen, thanks for having me. I uh, really enjoyed it. It's actually very th- therapeutic at times as well to, to get some stuff off your chest. So yeah, I think what you guys are doing is amazing. And um, yeah, let's stay in touch. And uh, yeah, let's do this. I appreciate it.
0: Yes, sir. Take care. Everybody, thank you for coming in um if you want to follow rob or message rob get in touch with rob his instagram is in the link below on youtube as well as for as well for spotify listeners instagram link is in the description below just click it it's clickable rs kieran rob thank you mate take care top man
1: thank you